Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. My name is Sam Minton, and we have another special midweek episode. Seth McCumber of the Blazing Musket chatted with Kevin Patrick Egan from MLS Season Pass. He'll be calling this weekend's matchup against New York Red Bulls. Seth chatted with him, obviously, about the matchup against Red Bulls, but also got some wrestling talk in there that hopefully you will enjoy. Um, but before we get to that interview, I do want to shout out our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And also want to shout out uh, Golasso Kits. Golasso Kits is your home for all your vintage kits from all across the world, whether it be a Revolution kit, a Team USA kit, whatever kit you desire, Golasso Kits have has it. Make sure to use code REVSRECAP for 15% off. Once again, that's code REVSRECAP for 15% off the kit of your dreams at Golasso Kits. Now, let's go to Seth and Kevin. All right, Seth Maycumber from the Blazing Musket. Happy to be joined once again by MLS uh, media personality from Apple TV who will be on the call this weekend with the New England Revolution take on the New York Red Bulls. Kevin, how are you today? I'm brilliant. Delighted to be here, Seth. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. It's always good to talk soccer, so I'm in my wheelhouse right now. Uh, the Revolution are in an interesting spot right now because they just went to Cincinnati. They get a point, the first team to get a point at Cincinnati Stadium, which is good, obviously. But they also had a lead at one point, so they could have gotten more, which is bad. So if you look back at this result, is that a good or bad result to go 2-2 at Cincinnati? It's an outstanding result. It's 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 a brilliant result for the Revs, and everything's trending in the right direction. If I'm a New England Revolution fan right now, hitting a transfer window, as we are in right now at this very moment in time, knowing you're not too far away from being the very best team in the league. So I think a really good position, excellent result. Look, it doesn't matter. You have a lead in a game like that. I'll tell you, from, from having been at TQL Stadium for, what, two or three games this season so far, every single match has been a sellout at home. 25,000 plus. Raucous atmosphere. The most perfect pitch. That, for me, might be the best stadium in MLS. Um, and the fans in the Bailey bring it each and every week. The, the quality of player that they have is excellent, but I think it's a case of one plus one equals three when it comes to Pat Noonan's team. And, and so to stifle them, to stop them from, from reaching the historic 11 straight wins to start a season at home is a brilliant result for Bruce and the men. 
Kevin, I love your positivity there. Bruce Arena, not so positive after the result, although later on kind of warming up to a little bit, saying it's good to get a road point because that's what MLS is. You mentioned it right there, Kevin, saying that the Revs are trending upward. You have the Revs, you have Cincinnati. Are these the two best teams in the East for you? Ooh, I think Cincinnati for sure. And I think the Revs are, are right there with, with Philadelphia. Look, Philadelphia had a really tough start to the year with CONCACAF Champions League play. Didn't exactly perform overly well in the Champions League. Had a rough start to things in Major League Soccer. I know they've just got bounced by Atlanta on Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But I think the, I think Philly will be there or thereabouts. And I would peg them as the joint second best team in the East. Uh, you know, along with Philadelphia uh, and New England. Sorry. So that's uh, two teams in behind Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the, the clear front runner. The one thing I'd say is, I wouldn't put LAFC ahead of New England or Philadelphia right now either. And I know they've been busy, but I called an LAFC game uh, last week uh, end against Dallas. I'm getting all my days confused now. And uh, a very good side, don't get me wrong, but I but I think they're going through a bit of a, a tough patch. They have a lot of depth in their squad, but they've lost three on the bounce now and a lot of question marks surrounding Steve Trundle's side. So I would put the clear front runner at Cincinnati at this moment in time, and then LAFC, Philadelphia, New England in second place. That sounds good. The Reds will have a little bit of a issue to deal with this upcoming weekend because they'll be out without Carlos Heel. Uh, Bruce Arena was just talking about that, mentioning that uh, his team was unable to uh, question and try to revoke that yellow card for simulation. Uh, so they're going to be without that player. I'm not sure if you saw the play at all. First of all, if you did, what did you think of that play? And then second of all, what does it mean to the Revs to lose Carlos Heel this upcoming weekend? I'll be honest, at this point, I haven't seen the play. I need to look back at that exact uh, exact moment. I'm working on notes and stuff, and I have him listed as out. So I haven't. I need to, to dive in because Bruce clearly wasn't happy. We actually spoke with Bruce about an hour ago. And uh, he was, yeah, not pleased with the decision at all. But And I asked him, I said, will things change for you? Will you alter the system? Will you alter, like, will you try a direct replacement? And he laughed and he said, I'd be the biggest idiot in the world if I felt I could slot someone in as a replacement for Carlos Hill. It's just the reality of the situation. That's that's the case across Major League Soccer. Like Nashville can't just replace Hany Mukhtar. Atlanta can't just replace Yakimakis. Um, it's the nature of our league. So now what happens? Does Bruce go with two up front? Does he put pressure on Reyes and Nealis at the back for the Red Bulls? Or does he go with an extra midfielder and really try and solidify that midfield? And then, you know, with, with the way New England play, you've got such strength at the, at the fullback position. Um, I just wonder about the ingenuity. What do you think without Carlos? Yeah, I'm with you. I think one thing that's been positive this year for the Revs is they've used so many different systems and found success that way. Uh, we've seen them play five in the back and really use those outside backs to get forward um, to create that width. We see him play with a single striker. Um, you know, the, the like for like that you could potentially slot in there is that you could play Jack Paniatu. But obviously having a young player playing on the road in that position, there's question about how many minutes you can play there. But he is a creative player. Uh, you could also drop and play um, uh, Gustavo Bo in that position. You know, last year we did see Gustavo Bo sometimes play a little bit as a number 10. Uh, so I think the strength for the Revs this year is that they haven't stumbled when someone's missing because they have a variety of systems. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend. No, I was talking to Sasha Kleshin about the Red Bull style of play recently. And we were just chatting about the, the, 
what it's like for a player in game and we can watch it you and i can watch it but it's nothing like being there on the field and he has you know played against the red bulls for for like the galaxy later in his career and obviously he's played in that system too and he said usually you think you might have a second or two to make your decision against the red bulls it's like a half second so for a young player to step in and play in that role that carlos plays in where pressure will be instant you know like there'll be guys coming in like drew yearwood straight in behind you ready to strip the ball from you and you've got to be lightning quick with your decision making and that's that for me is where Carlos Hill is is missed the most because his his understanding of the game his smell his his sense of timing everything he has uh, just exudes class and understanding and you can't replace a, a clever player like that it's very very difficult even dropping bow deeper it's going to be challenging because Red Bulls play like a 4222 you know, they 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 rely heavily on whether it's Tolkien or uh, Harper at fullback and and in midfield, they will they will just find ways to press. They're all swimming in the same direction. And it's once you figure that out or if you can remotely figure it out and break through that press, you could be laughing. That's why I'm curious to see what Bruce go with a second up top. Um, maybe I'd love to see him like like would it or could it work with Brioni and Bobby Wood up front? At the same time, and just put pressure on Nealis and, and maybe force those Nealis and Reyes and then force those fullbacks to, to, to stay back a little bit. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think a lot of us have wanted to see Wood and Veroni play together because they haven't gotten a lot, even during preseason. Just hasn't been a lot of minutes that those two have played. I think to the advantage of someone like Wood is that he's constantly pressing high up the field, trying to create turnovers. Another positive is that um, Noel Bach came off the injury report. Um, he wasn't on the injury report the last two weeks, but he was sidelined with injury. So maybe he comes into the side again. Latif Blessing is someone who can move up the field and put pressures on players as well. Uh, so there are options there, and, and maybe you play Ian a little Harks. bit different, like you mentioned. Ian Harks, uh, you know, fresh into the group and, and someone who I know Bruce, like, is buzzing to have in the group. You could tell. I asked him about it because I heard the media scrum. I'm not sure if you were there or not, and, and the questions asked – about Ian Harks and Bruce like I knew him when he was born I knew him as a newborn you know like how cool is that there's a coach like he's nearly 72 years of age who coached against his son last week and this week he brings in a player that he knew as a newborn like that is just it's an amazing story for us to be able to tell um but the his relationships with the relationship with the Harks family and uh, understanding exactly what Ian brings to the group as as both a really good fellow but also a good ball player and I actually think he could complement Matt Polster really well yeah let's talk a little bit about the transfer window like you mentioned uh Bruce Arena recently said that uh, we brought in Ian Harks that's official we're going to bring in another attacking player that's believed to ble be the outside midfielder um Thomas Chonkale coming down uh from from South America he said that's possibly going to be it although he did open the door to um transfers within the league trades within the league so if you're looking at this roster with ian harks and chancale uh is that enough or do you think the revolution need to try to add something else to become that top tier mls contender so wide midfielder for sure i, I think there's enough depth in midfield i think like if if bruce in the second half of the season can get a tune out of latif blessing um and then ian harks can settle hopefully quickly enough uh the, these are guys competing for a place alongside Matt Polster. I think Matt Polster is a given, right? He's 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 starting for the refs. Um, I think you get Kessler back. Um, then further forward for me, like a winger position is absolutely needed. But the way the refs play and and 
this when people talk about Bruce's style and and or lack thereof, I've heard, which I, I don't really agree with. Uh, the classic Rev's goal for me is always white guys, whether it's Dwan Jones, Brandon Bay, whomever, getting to the end line, cutting the ball back, and those perfectly timed runs. Like the Revs, we talk about it on MLS 360 all the time. We'll see a Revs goal. I'll be like, is that not the most classic Revs goal you can see? And it, there, there's a very clear way of playing that you, both the Red Bulls and the Revs rely heavily on their, their fullbacks. Um, but I think a wide midfielder for sure. Uh, and in saying that, Nacho Hill is returning soon too. But for me, the most important piece for the Revs is a poacher, a goal scorer, a someone off the bench who, and maybe that can be Rioni. I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen enough of Rioni to be convinced by him, to be honest. Uh, and I'm sure most Revs fans would agree with me on that. We haven't seen him consistently in the lineup. Uh, and it's his second season. Like, I know Bruce is really pleased with his progression, but I'm intrigued. To, I'd love to see them together tomorrow, if possible, or on, on Saturday, excuse me, uh, Rioni and Wood. But I think a striker, a goal scorer off the bench, even someone older who can be that, you know, be that presence, just a, a, like a Wondolowski type of poacher that I feel the Revs could need late in games in the playoffs. See, I totally agree with you. Um, one of my big points this entire year is that the Revolution aren't scoring on headers. Uh, I believe to this point, you have to check me on this, but at one point when I was doing the, the analysis of it, they had only scored two goals all year on headers. And they're still, you know, scoring off of crosses, like you mentioned, the low crosses, your know, balls in the box, second balls. But like, oftentimes you get to play off soccer, it is really stingy. And you need those, you know, corner kicks, set pieces. You need someone who can rise above and put it in the back of the net. And Bobby Wood, who I think has been very, very good, hasn't really shown that ability. Uh, Veroni, uh, he seems like someone who likes to run at the goal. So I think if the revolution are to add something, I think it'd be good to try to bring in, maybe it's an older guy who's 33 years old, 34 years old, and who's willing to just come off the bench for 20 minutes and try to put the ball in the back of the net. That to me is something that the team's a little bit missing right now, as well as maybe some depth on the back line. Cause if an injury happens, that's a problem, but that is kind of like what MLS is in general. Yeah. Like a Kai Kamara type you're thinking of. Yeah. Former Rev Kai Kamara. That'd be an amazing thing to happen. Former every team at this point, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So if we're looking at this team right now, what is one reason why you think the Revs could win MLS cup? I think it's very clear to me that everyone's bought in this year. There were lots of reasons why the team fell off the the, the rails last year. Um, missing key players that moved on, you know, like big, big time pieces that moved on, some injuries too. The year before, that was that's really from the outside looking in, that's one of those aspects of this team that is difficult to understand how you could go from being a record-setting Supporter Shield winning team to, um, you know, missing out in the playoffs entirely and not even looking like you're going to come too close. Uh, then this year everything seems to be back on track again. So it's just, a, it's a curious case study, the, the revolution. But I think everybody's bought in. I think the pieces are in play. Bruce Arena is a very steady-minded coach. And now I think you add a goal score. I still believe that you, to win MLS Cup, I think you really, you need, you need luck to go your way, obviously, and keep people fit. But you still need that guy who's going to score over 20 goals a year. And so far, the Revs don't have anyone close. Like Bobby Wood has seven goals this season, which is wonderful. A lot of people didn't expect that. Um, but it, uh, I don't know. I think I think a goal scorer and the Revs could go to the next level. So is that your big concern? If, so if I were to ask you, what's one reason why the Revs won't win MLS Cup this year? Are you saying it's because they don't have that elite 15-plus goal scorer? Or is there another reason that you look at? 
Well, it's it's an interesting one because you say goals, right? But I'm looking at the Revs last, what, four games, let's just say. Three against Miami, three against Orlando, two against Toronto, two against Cincinnati away. So goal scoring hasn't been that problem. But you know, and you touched on it moments ago, like those really tight playoff games. Look through playoff history. Look at Bruce's teams. Bruce had Robbie Keane, like who stepped up against the Revs in 2014 and scored the winning goal. Like maybe it was a winning goal or the first goal. I'm not too sure. I, I can't remember that one, but it was scoring an MLS cup against the Revs. Every team, like look through the years again, whether it's Joseph Martinez with Atlanta, you know, or um, Columbus crew at the time, like you think about what Zellerian was doing production wise. Uh, the list goes on of teams that need, you, you need that top end guy. And there's only so much Carlos Hill can do, but if you put a top striker in there, or if the Revs could spend money and bring in someone who's that out-and-out striker and that starter for the team, I think they go they could go a long way. So that would be my concern because I don't think I don't think at the back concerns me too much. Certainly not in goal. I really like the midfield. I would like to see Latif Blessing, you know, really settle in New England, be good personally and everything, obviously, and 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 fit in alongside Polster because I think they complement complement each other quite well. And I think you'd be set with a with a with a real poacher like a like a Jovalich. Even if you had like a Jovalich off the bench, that sort of a player for the Revs could do wonders. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what the Revolution do. Trade's obviously a possibility. Let's shift gears a little bit right now. Uh, you obviously wear a lot of different hats. You're you're a soccer guy. You're a commentator. You also are a commentator for wrestling. What's the difference between calling an MLS match and a wrestling match? Well, let's start with the similarities because you're a storyteller. All right. So that that aspect of it is very important. And it, it, it's helped me become a better soccer broadcaster, I think, in that you think about storytelling as opposed to, well, they've won three of their last five games and you're giving useless nuggets that, that don't really help tell much of the story. Not that it's useless, but you know what I mean. Um, I think the big difference is wrestling, professional wrestling is, is a lot of psychology uh, of, of telling the stories of the characters. Um, which would be very different than doing a boxing match or doing a UFC match, you know? So very different body language, characters, what story is being told in the ring versus, you know, sports where there's three points on the line. Um, it, it's it's entirely different. It really is. There are similarities in terms of excitement. You're, you're at 11 out of 10 nearly all the time at WWE, whereas you've got to have your pacing a little bit more down in a soccer game. You could be at a four out of 10 when the ball's in midfield and, you're rising to about a six, seven out of 10 when it's on the edge of the 18 yard box. And you've got to find that balance between the two. But I would say ultimately the the common denominator is storytelling. I'm curious. Uh, we just did a, a article for the Blazing Musket where we looked at uh, the people that came in and actually removed bees from Gillette Stadium. There's a swarm of bees. They called these people in, they removed them. And it was just kind of this wacky moment. We talked to uh, Kaylin Kyle last week and she said, you know, she remembers when she was a player and she actually found a rat inside her bag. You're traveling around, you're going to, you know, wrestling, yeah, right? You're, you're going to wrestling events, you're going to soccer events. I can imagine there's got to be an interesting or cool story that you've encountered along the way that's that's kind of unexpected. So how about last week in Dallas? We're in the open to our game. I'm calling the game with Mariano Trujillo and this massive bird flies into the broadcast booth, on stands on my notes like a yard from me. And I'm in the middle of leading to like the lineups or something like that. Uh, and actually we were coming out of the third, third segment right before kick. And it was the GMC head to head. 
and you could hear because I watched it back. You could hear us laughing. And I said, folks, I have to tell you, a bird has just landed on my notes and, and the bird didn't want to move, like stayed there for maybe 15 seconds and then flew off. But but that's as random as you're going to get, really, as you're about to go on and, and start calling a game. A big bird flies in. Yeah, honestly, Seth, with the amount of travel we're doing, like I'm about to take off tomorrow now for a game, obviously, with Red Bull Arena. And then we've got Raw in, on Monday and then I go straight to Kansas City. So I'm, I'm on the road for six days. It's just it's life is is nuts right now and it's uh it's always throwing curveballs at you uh but as long as we're healthy and happy that's the main thing Kevin, i appreciate the time i do have to end up some rapid fire questions here so these don't have to be long answers first thing to come to your mind uh we often get people to join in on social media to get some feedback as well uh they are all going to be wrestling related okay. as well as soccer related so we'll see what you think uh very first one what wwe wrestler could play for the revolution Hmm. Okay, so you say you need someone who's good at heading the ball. All right. So. You want passion. You want someone who's going to fit in well in a Bruce Arena team. I'm going to go with the big Scott. I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre to lead the line and uh, throw a few Glasgow kisses at the ball coming in from corners. <laughs> I love it. Let's go the opposite way now. Let's go with a Revs player that you think could hang in a WWE ring. Yeah, it's got to be Andrew Farrell, right? It's got to be Andrew Farrell, the vet. Uh, I remember calling games in his first season when he was number one pick in the draft, and he's just he's just a warrior. I would say Andrew Farrell could slot right in as a member of the Judgment Day. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I think that would work. Uh, Carlos Heel, perennial MVP. He's someone who uh, should probably be at the All-Star game, if you ask me. If Carlos Heel were to make the move to WWE, what would his finishing move be? Oh, wow. I would say it's something to do with. I would say he'd, he'd be part of a tag team and he would tee up someone else for a finish. So it'd, it'd be the assist. Like he'd have to have something called the assist or something, something along those lines, you know, where Carlos Hill just he sets him up and someone else comes in with like a neck breaker or something like that. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, Car Carlos Hill would be would be the tag team guy, and he just put set the table for everybody. Maybe he's a tag team with Roman Reigns, and he sets the table. Roman sits at the head of the table. <laughs> Kevin, I gotta be honest; these are uh, more thoughtful answers than I was expecting to get. So I appreciate that. <laughs> two two last ones for you. Uh, if the Revs were a wrestler, what wrestler would the Revs be? Randy Orton. Gritty, experienced, quality, understand how to win, captivate the audience. I like it. Let's end with Bruce Arena. How good would Bruce Arena be if he was given a mic in a WWE ring? <laughs> oh, man. I don't think he'd be Paul Heyman anytime soon. Um, how good would Bruce Arena be? Well, he'd have to be a heel. Right, like, there's no way Bruce is Bruce would be a manager, and Bruce is managing Bruce is managing a heel. He's 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 managing a nasty sob, right? And he's going to be a no nonsense manager, and he's going to stand in front and he's going to protect the heel that he's managing. But Bruce, yeah, Bruce is is going to be a heel manager for sure. Kevin, love the answers, love the insight on both wrestling and. Major League Soccer, as well as the New England Revolution. Really looking forward to seeing you on the call this weekend, 7.30 on MLS Season Pass. Thank you so much for taking the time, Kevin Egan. 
Seth, my pleasure. Keep up the great work and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon.